This is Ariel Stachel, and you're listening to Other. I'm so, 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 so honored to have Moshe Rosenthal, one of the incredible emerging voices out of Israel right now. He just uh, started showing his film in festivals, which has won a ton of awards, called Karaoke. And I found him to be incredibly articulate about social issues, about art, and I couldn't resist um, having his voice on our podcast. So I'm, I'm really, really, really honored to have you. Um, and so the theme of this is about what it feels like to be other. And you were talking to me a little bit about your background. And I would be really pleased if you could just tell me about what it felt like to grow up in Israel, specifically as, I think you said, half Egyptian and half Turkish. And, and, and what are some early memories you had that made you feel maybe like an other? I didn't feel Turkish or Egyptian. And I didn't feel really my, um, like the origins. I think I felt more like if, you know, when people talk about shame, for me, I think it was more about class. Like, uh, like uh, my father went through a bankruptcy when I was very young. So I remember being ashamed of our, our house not because it had like symbols of Turkish uh, roots, but because we were poor. <laughs> and what, <laughs> what city what city was this in? We lived, I grew up in Cholon, uh, which is like a suburb of Tel Aviv, mm -hmm. uh, that even though it's like very close, it's completely like different culturally. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, uh, you know, I grew up in the 90s and it was the same year that uh, I guess... Um, you know, the Russians um, uh, immigration. Yes, uh, yeah. So m like most of my class were like Russians. Interesting. So I didn't feel like I was the other. I didn't know, for example, there was the separation between Sephardic and Ashkenazi. What, how no old idea. are we at that? How old are we at this like point? Like 10 years old. 10 years old. Okay. So fifth Kita Hey. Yeah. Okay. I had no idea. And I felt, you know, completely you know, normal right. growing up. You felt normal. So, so in other words, it was an economic embarrassment. But what was that like then, given that the Russians were coming in and I assume they had less? I mean, because there's these different migrations that happen in Israel. Yeah, they definitely had less. Uh, and they definitely had like that kind of... Um, it, it was complicated because they came with a lot of, um, I guess kind of like self-importance because they were educated, but at the same time they were living in shitty apartments. Mm -hmm. And, but I don't know, I, for me it felt like, um, I don't know, I was fascinated by them. Right. I didn't see them as, you know, they were the others, but I didn't uh, felt that I should like uh, bully them or reject them. Uh, it was uh, It was actually like a beautiful kind of like communication between such different cultures but you know kids are like that right uh and at the same time kids are like the most horrible creatures <laughs> but what i want to what i want to know is so you said you were mostly with russians but was there other mizrahi kids with you growing up in school or i think you know it's funny because i didn't think i didn't know that it existed that the, the small differences right and only when i grew up and i started thinking wait who was the most popular kid in class Mm. that's when I started realizing, oh, he had like a big house. He was Ashkenazi. So suddenly I realized that there are those differences. Along those lines, like, do you think 
what do you know about your parents' opportunities? The situation that they were in, was it related to their background or was it by chance? I think their generation is really all about, I wouldn't say denial, but it's, it's, uh, their mission was to accomplish, you know, comfort. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that like in the last 10 years when like the, the identity politics conversation started happening in Israel, suddenly like my generation started saying, oh, we were oppressed and, and they came to their parents and they were like, oh, you know, you were oppressed. And usually the parents were like, no, we weren't, you know? Wow. So it's interesting <laughs> because it's, it's, it has a lot to do about the narrative that you tell yourself. Uh, not that I'm saying that some people were oppressed or not, like obviously, you know, totally. Historically speaking, you know, uh, people that came from, uh, you know, like Sephardic people that arrive in Israel got less opportunities for sure. Right. So, so then, when that moment, that watershed moment, happened in Israel, when the younger generation started to uh, sort of notice this, do you feel like it was an awakening in you as well? Like, did you become aware? Like, you look as as you said, you look back in time, and you say, "Oh, well, why was the Ashkenazi with the big house?" Yeah. I did that a lot. I kept, I, at the beginning, I was like, I don't know what they're talking about. Hmm. Like, I have no idea what they're doing. Like, I'm so you Israeli. You felt completely and, Israeli, equal. Yeah. But then when I started thinking about it, I noticed that those differences, like, oh, yeah, the popular kid in school was Ashkenazi. It exists, but it's really under the surface. And, and I mean, at least for me, it's much more complicated uh, because, you know, I am Turkish, half Egyptian. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, my last name is an Ashkenazi last name. Right. So when I tell my like my Sephardic friends that, you know, talk about oppression and about their parents and stuff like that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> they always go like, oh, no, no, no. You're not really part of us because you had like an Ashkenazi last name. Blah, you have the benefit of that. You name. have the benefit of that. So name. even though they know that your parents are Egyptian and Turkish, yeah. they still say that because that name gives you some historical privilege. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to say that just like I didn't notice that the, the cool kids were Ashkenazi, I always thought that my last name is brilliant, you know, <laughs> yeah. without knowing why. I actually relate to that because my mom's last name, who's Ashkenazi, is Stachel, which I think is German in origin. My dad is Yeshayahu, which before that it was actually Garame, but my grandfather mm -hmm. changed it. And the name that I wanted to shed was Yeshayahu in America without mm -hmm. any context. So I, I, I just I relate to that and think it's really interesting. Like, is it actually that we, we like the sound of it or is there some part of us that understands that it has associations with status deep 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 inside of us those ideas were you know printed things sounds beautiful for a reason for a reason so so then what i want to know then is like your desire to be a filmmaker started when uh and why very early on i mean um you know, I decided to be a filmmaker when I was like seven, you know? Wow. So in many ways, I, I'm, I'm still honoring, you know, the dream and the decision yes. of a seven-year-old <laughs> who knows nothing about life. Yes. So, but, but, but what's beautiful about it is that it kept something kind of like, um, you know, childish and innocent and, 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 and my love for film and my love 
for filmmaking and I think it's very visible in what I do you know are you are you able to keep that same love throughout or is there ever been times where the industry has made you kind of it's it's a struggle because you have to kind of like you have to find your way in it I mean you know I grew up in a in a in a in a family of women like and I was the the youngest right nobody really give a shit about me (laughs) okay um, and my only kind of like um, um, moment that I got attention, especially from my father, is when he used to take me on Saturdays to the movies. Mm. So like there's a chance that the love for film is actually rooted in my longing for my for my father. Oh, wow. You know, wow. Um, but. Uh, Putting that aside, uh, you were asking about like how to keep that kind of like child, um, childish uh, in, 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 in the midst of a, of a business that can strip that away from yeah. us. Yeah, I mean it was hard because I, I I like for example when you when you go and and study filmmaking at the television university like I did, it's very clear that what you are supposed to do mm-hmm. is to tell your personal story. Mm. And by telling your personal story, you need to kind of like raise a flag of I am Turkish, of I am gay, whatever, or I am like lower middle class, whatever. Right. And I refused. <laughs> I was like, no way. Yeah. I want to make horror films. I want to make thrillers. And I, and I, and, and I was smart about it. I, it wasn't about like just making something that has nothing to do with me. I, I knew that to tell something personal, I want to inject it into like genre or stuff right, like that. Right. But they didn't appreciate it. Like uh, my teachers didn't accept it. And, and everybody was like, oh, you should just make that, you know, that family film or that like personal film. And I was like, I'm, I'm doing it. This is personal. Like, I mean, it's a horror film and, you know, <laughs> but it's about my relationship with my mother. Can she see that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so so I had a lot of like, I think that at some point when I finished school and I didn't have that film that took me to Cannes or whatever or gave me that like, you know, ability to, um, you know, to, to move on and to become a filmmaker after finishing school, I realized that I really need to start working mm. with that system and with that structure of thinking. And I need to start, you know, showing a little bit more of the personal and 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 like elegantly raising some flags. So then let me ask you a question. Do you think that being specifically your background um, energized them to push you in that way? In other words, did you being Mizrahi or other, or I guess you're saying you're straddling multiple marginalized identities as, as someone who identifies as gay and also as Mizrahi, is it like that's your chance to, to stand out? But w- what happens with maybe the kids who are not maybe as interesting of a background? Is Are they being pushed to raise the same flags? I mean, at the same time, you can say that my background is not that interesting. I mean, everybody's background, you know, every couple of years, there's like a, a trend, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, like, that's so great. She's like, uh, you know... Um, trans, Arab, Asian, whatever. There's like different trends that kind of like gives Take you hold. the ability to really kind of like tell a story or, or show your voice 
uh, as something that nobody ever heard before. Yes. Which is important and great. But at the same time, there's a lot of other voices that loses their uh, relevance. Yes. Um, so I never felt like, you know, even as being gay, uh, it wasn't, I mean, I'm talking about the years, of, I don't know, like 2008. Being gay wasn't that special anymore. But still, it was, you know, the only card that it I had. It had currency. Yeah. It had currency. Um, but I refused and I refused and I refused. <laughs> um, but I think eventually it was about, you know, kind of like being very specific and, and also exploring yourself to find, you know, that even if you feel that you're not that relevant and being gay or Turkish or whatever is not so hot right now, you can still like ask yourself what is that place that you come from and what do you have to say about it that is not and and that's specifically my case that is not about just like uh oh we were uh oppressed and we need to be free or you need to be strong like it's not about that it's there's a lot more to explore in your identity than your um status uh you know compared to other identities totally you know what i mean it's, no it's, I, i do because you know for example in, in 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 my last film karaoke i was you know i i just wanted to tell a story about like those those characters and those people and the, the what was beautiful about them that they felt to me just like ordinary like and, and what interested me was to tell a story about people that we they that they, they don't have a flag And they don't have like a, a minority that you can like, oh, that's important. It's about that minority. No, they're like just like general people. And what's interesting about those general people that not only that they, they don't have a voice, but in some strange way, and we can talk about it, their identity is completely fractured and fragmented and, and it's a mess. Yes. Because, you know, I had to ask myself, okay, these people that you know they're presumably generic which is like really harsh but you know yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah yeah like who are they like what and then i was like okay who is like what is the like for example the the people that came from turkey who are they and what do i have to say about that mm. and mm. i had to kind of like sell the film by those rules yes. so from a film that was like a personal film about just like you know a relationship between a couple that goes through something i suddenly had to like um you know sell it as this is a representation of like the modern turkish culture <laughs> which is kind of nothing but that nothing is actually quite interesting because that nothing hides in it the fact that they have lost their roots mm. and they are completely confused about their roots and they are in this like strange search to find their authenticity you know what what made them lose it without and i i think that there's something about you know this the, the, the idea that you want to just be israeli made it very clear to them that they not don't need to preserve their roots right. and they were like i guess like You know, inside the, the Mizrahi identity, there's like, you know, Moroccans, Yemeni, and, and they're like 
more obvious Mizrahi. But there's also in the middle is like, uh, I guess like Iraqians, and then the, and then like the Turkish are there. Like so, so the Turkish are kind of like closer to the Ashkenazis, so they have that ability to be like, oh, we're we're not in that conversation, mm. you know, that it's not like they have lost connection to their roots. Like only now, after they kind of like secure their comfort and their wealth, now they are in search of their identity. Now they are in a search of like self-fulfillment. And I'm talking about people in their 60s and 70s. Oh, wow. So there's something really interesting. And that's, I guess, a lot of what the film is dealing with. What I'm hearing is like, as artists who represent whatever background, we're sort of asked to wave the flag. And I think that that usually asks for very, very obvious art. And what you're describing is that to actually climb inside of it is something that's not encouraged, that, that people want to see the sort of surface level emblem. And what you're doing, you're sort of selling it under the guise of that. Yeah, I guess there, it's, it's, it's an interesting combination between the two eventually, because right. I think that if I, if I kept resisting and saying like, I'm just, I make my own shit and don't bring your politics into that. If right. I kept doing that, I mean, I wouldn't get far. So on the one hand, I kind of like cynically used that because I had no other choice, but I learned stuff. Right. And it made my filmmaking richer mm. because I remember that what's important is not the politics. What's important is the story and the soul of the characters. And, you know, you know what's important is, is what people that has nothing to do with Israel and they, have, they don't know anything about like, the Israeli identity will still love and, and feel that the characters are relatable. Right. It's this other level that I, 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 this made me kind of like, uh, you know, add it to the different layers in the film. I'm wondering, do you have a chip on your shoulder as an Israeli filmmaker? Like, because we're talking about feeling like an other or like an outcast. And then there's, you're trying to make films on as I guess people would call you an Israeli filmmaker anytime it travels beyond Israel. Yeah. W what is the chip on your shoulder like? It's, yeah, I mean, it's the, the, the Israeli um, film is, is a curse because people are expecting soldiers or uh, the occupation or war or, or Shtisel uh, kind of, um, you know, religious people and I don't I, I'm not doing any of these you know so 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 it's a struggle because then you ask like why would somebody for from the US want to see a film about suburban people that are not Americans because they have it here right right but that's kind of like the the paradox of being you know universal because on the one hand you do something that is actually the same as you and you think and for me this is like something political to do to make people understand that people that live in a place that they think that is different and they you know are actually the same people with the same problems um so so it's a good thing because you can sell this and you know you can come to people and say like oh it's a film that you can completely relate to but at the same time it's an israeli film and they're expecting that it will have also soldiers mm. and stuff. 
so it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to to cope with and i think that you know what i've done is just to ignore it and to hope for the best and i really really hope that the the filmmaking would kind of like hopefully i mean i wish that will elevate me as an israeli filmmaker not you know a person that makes israeli films mm. because israeli films is is something different you know yes so it's hard but it's also the same with every category you know every like category but gay what, films but what i will say is that i mean i feel the pressure to make art right now that represents and it keeps getting more and more specific like when i was in 25 i'm 31 now when i was 25 it was about being middle eastern that was what and then and then as time has gone on you start to realize that actually the niche specific becomes more important so now it's about half yemenite half ashkenazi jewish but then as you say it does strip away your ability to just be because 95% of my day is not i'm yemenite it, there's a lot of other yeah, things yeah but I it think. also it doesn't contradict each other because on in in a way you know, like to make something universal is not to ignore the fact that you're Yemenite. Right. To make something universal is to have you as Yemenite. Yes. And not constantly talk about that. It, you know? Exactly. That's universal. Exactly. Because everybody has their own origins. And so, so it's fine. So it's, yeah, it's more about just like telling stories that everybody's go through, but with different representations and with the subtleties of that culture. Because, you know, people forget about subtleties, you know, <laughs> yes. like being Yemenite, exist it's in, in the food and it's the way that the house looks but it's not like your only issue is my yemenite and the identity Amen. you know so so yeah so i think it's it's a lot about that and i think that what i said about like actually i think that like political films like the ones that are for me are actually political are the ones that those identity issues are in the subtleties and they're not you know being I'm, like I could, I could not agree more. I yeah. could not agree more. And, and, you know, the sad thing is that I do believe that there are people that have, like, great stories to tell, but they eventually choose the easiest, um, you know... Easiest sale. Easiest sale. And that's kind of like... That annoys me and upset me. Do you feel right now, after having the success on the first film, that you still need to sort of lean in to what's trendy in order to make your stuff in other words do you still feel the burden of having to represent your Mizrahi and gay identities as an artist no I feel that it's uh, it's my privilege to to see like the places where I'm not connected to to what perceived to be my identity and then to try to shift it and to try to make room for me because I guess that you know just like my last name is not Sephardic enough for but I'm not Ashkenazi enough for and I'm not uh, I guess like gay enough for certain people that eventually kind of like gave me the, the the permission to you know to own my identity but at the same time be more interested in those gray areas of right. each identity right and, and to not just like sell the obvious uh of each identity but you know to 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 for example my my next project mm -hmm. is deals with like um you know gays in the 80s uh you know the aids uh, epidemic is at the background of everything mm. so i could actually you know 
I had the option to make like my LGBT film. Um, but at the same time, I was like, what really, you know, um, what do I love or what is interesting to me in the LGBT uh, Q plus community? And what I love and interest me is something that I feel that doesn't exist anymore, you know? So I'm like, in a way, I feel like I'm doing this next film not to, um, you know, help to, you know, to help with the mission of uh, whatever acceptance and stuff like that, right. but to even in a weird way kind of like regress into a place of, um, of exploring the oppression of the gay community, but with, um, but without judging anything, mm -hmm. just being curious about, for example, what we have lost since we came out, you know, what was beautiful in, in living in the dark. Oh, wow. You know, um, so those kind of places, I feel, you know, that, that, that on the one hand, they kind of like makes the, make the conversation broader. And at the same time, I feel that I have like an interesting mission that has something to do with it. Because if I don't like, you know, the, 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 you know, the colors or the, or the, the aesthetics of what it means to be gay, and I don't feel that I belong to it, mm -hmm. instead of saying like, fuck this, that I'm not part of you, I'm like, oh, let me show you my room in it. Or let me show you my fascination with it. Or let me show you like, how actually, you know, mm -hmm. there, there, there's certain things that um, that you might like as well. Right. I'm, I'm, now you're talking about your sexuality, I'm wondering, like, if that experience has evolved for you as an Israeli as well, because it seems like there's these massive social changes that are happening. So I'm wondering for you if that's changed. I mean, Israel completely changed. I mean, if you're talking about what it means to be gay in Israel, for you yeah I mean I grew up you know I grew up thinking that I'm gonna be outcast and mm. I'm gonna be lonely and that it's gonna be horrible uh, and then at some point I think when I was a teenager I was like no I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like outcast but it's gonna be cool Yes. I'm gonna be like in the dark, but that would be my thing. Like it, it, it suddenly gave me like this kind of like rebellious energy mm. of being gay is not about my sexuality, it's about like my way of life, and it's gonna be super cool. It's dark and blah blah blah. <laughs> so I, you know, started being gay with that vision in mind, and then I came out, and suddenly everything shifted. And suddenly people expect you to have children and to get married and people are embracing gay people and gay people that used to look like, you know, gothic and, and sexy are mm. suddenly, you know, colorful and, and, and happy and on primetime TV. And, mm. and, and it's hard to say it, but I was kind of disappointed, you know, <laughs> and, and, and I know that those years <laughs> were horrible, you know. I know yeah. that it's like the, 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 that gay people in, in, in before like the 2000 or the end of the 90s suffered and I, I, and I wouldn't want to go back there. But if you ask me, I think, you know, I have, what can I do? I have this kind of like 
fascination and and a bunch of you know romantic projections on that period of time um so so in other words it, it was too easy <laughs> that you weren't able to be a rebel yeah it, they, they kind of like took the 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 the, the, the sass out of the it. sass out of it um <laughs> But it's fine. Like it's 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 better this way. Um, but I can't like deny the fact that that what fascinates me about that culture and that what I love about it. And and I think that with my next film, it's kind of like my secret mission to to remind to all the gay out. people that we we came like from we were punks. We you know, were punks. we weren't like we like, weren't trendy. We weren't trendy. We were punks. It's. It's what you're saying is really interesting because it just makes me realize that it seems to me, and correct me if I'm mistaken, that these various intersections that you are, Mizrahi, gay, all the Israeli, um, are really to your benefit right now as an artist if you choose to sell them, which I think is a really complicated thing for me as well. Like the fact that it is an economic, it's become an economic and artistic opportunity yeah, for really. us. And I mean, can I can please I tell you a story, short story? I would love a short story. I had like um, a few uh, months ago uh, this uh, job opportunity to be to work at the, for this film fund, and, you know, to read scripts and stuff. And they 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 called me. I was like, yeah, I'm interested. And I waited to start doing that. And then they called me again, and said, oh, you don't match the, you know, like the type of person that we need for this mm. and i was like what do you mean mm. and they were like oh they only look for like minorities mm. and then i realized oh my last name sounds ashkenazi i guess like in a way i'm 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 like i can pass as straight so they <laughs> also assume that i'm not gay you lost all your cool points you lost all so, of them <laughs> so i had to write an email saying like i'm a Mizrahi that came from like poor, you know, <laughs> poor family, and I'm gay, <laughs> and I'm like just like give them everything I've got because like I need this job, and they were like, oh, oh, we didn't know, sure. And it's just it's you, it's, 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 it's it's really that silly that you need to do that, you know. I, I want to go back because you said that you had this moment as a teenager. You were like, I'm gay and I'm rebellious, and there was kind of a a buzzkill of sorts because it was already trendy by the time you did that. But did you ever have a moment where you also became proud of what you shared at the beginning, which is like, well, I come from this socioeconomic background and that sort of, do you feel proud of those roots as well? Or is, did you just sort of feel like you over that you sort of powered through them via your accomplishments? Yeah. I don't know because uh, it's at a certain point, you know, you, you start to kind of like, create your own narrative right and it just became my narrative and i'm it's hard for me to tell if that narrative was there to push me forward in the conversation or it was there because i was like proud of it or so i don't have like a good answer to that because on, on on a lot of levels there's something quite um you know being an artist and being a filmmaker you keep um, you keep telling your own story, mm-hmm. and at a certain point, it just it becomes a story, and it's really hard to remember, what's you know, the truth? what's the truth. So 
on that, like, I remember the moment where I start telling my, like, poor family story. Right. And I remember that, um, you know, starting with some shame and awkwardness about that. I would share, like, a small story, and then people would be, like, interested in that. And then people would find it funny because I would tell it in a funny way. Oh, we didn't have food, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, and right. then at some point I started just using that, you know, to my, you know, as part of my charm. So I started selling my traumatic experience. Right. So over time, the traumas are, are more my narrative than my actual traumas. So I think it's a good thing eventually, you know? I relate to that. I mean, one of, you know, the show that I've been working on for the last four years and, and even my speech at the Tony Awards was about this traumatic experience being brown kid when 9-11 happened. And anybody who was brown, Jewish or not, was perceived in a particular way. They were associated as a terrorist. Um, and I think that, that you're right, that there is sort of this... Um, double-edged sword because it is real trauma yeah definitely it's real trauma but it also becomes as you said your charm yeah um and it takes time to to learn that it takes time to notice that and i think i'm learning it about myself right now no I, and you know <laughs> like and, you and, and you're like and you're like um, a creative person you're an actor like some i don't know like bank clerk they don't know that they don't have that those conversations they don't have the ability to bring like you know like danger into the conversation by telling a traumatic story in a funny way they don't have those uh, tools i'm just generalizing but no i know mean, I, like, I hear that we we live in a community that kind of like cherish those stories and and feel excited about them and 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 and, and, and wishing that you would hope open as much as you can but most of the people don't live in this surrounding so they just keep those traumas so we have the privilege of like making our traumas stories jokes um films, films. you know it's really interesting because on one level you're saying that you wanted to not sort of go into the waving flag but i wonder if some of those traumas actually made you need to express yourself like this the, 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 the range of things that you are. In addition, I mean, it's like, are we, do we pursue art because of these sort of strange intersection of identities where we, we just have this need to be understood? Or is there just another part of our psyche that is an artist? And I, I, I don't know. It's almost like nature I think versus it's, I think it's, it's both. both. And both. I think it, and I think, you know, understood by who? You know, sometimes you make films and, and in a way it's to be understood by a specific person hmm. you know and and you know like i think that much of my work was about communicating with my parents you know and the fact that today for example you know they've seen the film they get the the love and appreciation from strangers my my relations with them went from zero to a hundred like we are like we are so tight right now because so like, of this piece of art. Yeah. So wow. like it's not only like theoretical, it's actual. Like it's you know, like we're actually much closer now. That is that's very, 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 very beautiful. You know, one of the questions that I think that a lot of artists and, and, and especially like uh, storytellers ask themselves is, you know, am I 
if 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 writing and creative is a is a therapeutical uh, journey what's going to happen after i'm going to solve my issues and are they solved you know yes and it's frightening because you know in many ways you need those traumas you need those stories and you don't want to repeat yourself um but uh, but yeah i mean i think that there are like those i mean i think for me at least i think i have like this maybe three like like major like stories to tell but what i learned by looking at other amazing filmmakers is that you can tell the same stories again and again and they will be completely different so there's something about that that kind of like calms me down I'm like okay i can i can revisit the same things with different perspective and and the fact that you hmm. and the fact that you work on something that is an open wound is not always a good thing sometimes like it can be solved it can be solved and then you can keep on working on it so it's not about just like fixing it you know it's about just like knowing that even if it's solved it's part of your soul and it exists there and you can just like you know examine it because you're you're like the master of it because you survived it and you fixed it and now you're exploring it mm. you know yes um, you're offering me an enormous like literally an enormous gift because as i told you yesterday i've been working on a play and i'm performing it and so it's like each year that happens my relationship to what i'm what i said in the script changes i very much relate to that anxiety of oh my god if i get over this thing then this then this then this piece of art is no longer authentic yeah and and the fact that like I'm now starting to live just long enough where I start to see, you know what, actually that's not true. Like my experience and even overcoming of these things actually makes my perce perception of this experience richer. Yeah. And because it, it would always be a part of our lives in, in some yeah. way. I think it's, it's kind of like, uh, like love, like, like, you know, great loves uh, or love affairs that you had. Right. And you know, when, when it ends, you're like, oh no, it's so terrible. Like, oh my God, I can't believe it ended. But like what always helped me in breakups that I kept saying to myself, it ended, but it will always exist. Yeah. You know, like, because, you know, like great love stories, they just always exist. Yes. And you know, when you die, you're going to meet them. And yes. like, it's not about having a relationship with the person. It's about you having that like magical thing together and it will always exist in your soul. It will always exist in your memory like so trying to kind of like you know take you know see those um ideas as like living elements even when they're not like you know constantly there, it's not an you, open you know? wound yeah it's still and also there's something about like just the relevance of it because there's sometimes um you know there is an open wound and you feel like you know obliged to write about it or to do something with it and you're like this is important for the world to know and you're like and you're not really objective about it mm. and and like i had i had i told you that before i had like this project that i worked on for really like three years and i tried to raise money to make and then at some point i realized that like other people were telling that story already mm. and and suddenly it felt 
kind of like irrelevant to the world. And it didn't mean that I'm not, it, it didn't, it wasn't like I said like, oh, this is over, it's for the garbage. I just thought, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if I dealt with that 10 years from now mm. when it's not like a hot topic mm. and I'll have a different perspective on it, blah, blah, blah. So, so there's, there's always that, you know, dialogue that you have with yourself, not only about like what you need to do right now or what you feel right now, but also what like the world needs. Right. And, and out of that, like, what is your perspective? What, what do you offer? Because, you know, sometimes you, you, you want to tell a story that somebody else is telling and it's shitty, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to tell it at some point. Right. You know, it never with a different perspective. Absolutely. Well, you've given me like an honestly an unbelievable privilege. I'm, I'm not even kidding. Like there's certain things that I get to carry. And this is like, honestly, mostly why I do this. So thank you very much. Um, I, I could have gone on. Oh. You could have gone on? Yeah, because, you know, I know we got a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. We do. Well, let's do it again. But we got to get you to the airport. Yeah, definitely. <laughs>